Hello, everybody. Greg Boyd here, uh, teaching pastor at Woodland Hills Church. Once again, in this strange, odd, weird environment in which we find ourselves. I'm talking to a camera. <laughs> and someday I'll get used to that. I'm told I can no longer, like, poke fun at televangelists because they're no longer a thing. And half the people don't know what I'm talking about when I talk about my need to work through this televangelist urge to put your hands on the screen right now and, and give a seed faith offering. Uh, no one gets that anymore. So, but it is weird. And I want to say that, I, man, I, I miss not having an audience here. People, I, I miss Sunday morning walking in or Saturday night and, and there's people there and there's energy and, and especially that, that second 11 o'clock service crowd. You guys are crazy, man. It's just, and it is, it, it's just there's an energy in the room. Here, I get here and I love the eight people that are here. Uh, I love all of you. I want you to know. All scattered throughout everybody. But uh, it, it's not the same kind of energy. You guys are, are low energy people. You're just not filling the room. You're just the low energy <laughs> Ruth, you're high energy, but it just, it just stands out. So anyways, but you know what? Give thanks, right? Last week, I encouraged all of us in this time where what is miserable is before our eyes all the time and it is getting worse and worse. And it'd be easy to obsess on that and think nothing else but that. But uh, it's imperative, especially in times when the, when the misery is so obvious, to be disciplined about giving thanks for all there is to be thankful for. Every good gift comes from the Father above. And as I shared last week, uh, there's just a ton of scientific evidence that shows that when, even when you don't feel like it, when you're not in the mood, when you're grumpy, if you start giving thanks, it just neurologically does something to us and, and, and it, it evokes a sense of well-being and how important it is for the people of God in a time of distress to have a sense of well-being that, that is beyond, uh, that transcends what the, the storm around us, what it would have us normally feel. So uh, uh, write down those things. I'm encouraging people to keep a pandemic journal of joy. And, and just uh, note things that you're thankful for every day. Because uh, all around us, there's things like... So I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful that we can at least have a, a time to meet, you know, with the few people who are here. Thanks for the governor allowing us to happen. Uh, and we're trying to abide by all of his sanitary rules or all the sanitary rules that are out there. Uh, but I'm just grateful for that. I, I miss you guys. I, I miss the tap. I miss getting together and the fun and the energy, whatever. But this is what we have right now for the season that we're in. So uh, in Haiti, they have an expression. It's dégagé. Uh, it just means you'll make do. You make do with it. And so we're going to make do. And we're going to embrace this and trust that God will be using it for the better. One of the things that's kind of weird about doing these services on, online like this is that we're not going to take up an offering. Uh, we, we did that last week and it felt kind of weird as we're sort of waiting around for two minutes. But uh, no, here's the deal. Uh, we don't need to take up a space for this because it's always, it's right there uh, on the app or you can go to whchurch.org slash giving. Uh, and, and at any time in the service, you can contribute that way. I'll tell you this, that while uh, on the weekend, it's, it's, you're walking in here, it's harder because there's not the energy in the room uh, that I, I associate with weekend services. Uh, it is the case during the week that when you walk, most of the time coming to Woodland Hills Church, it still is a noisy place. And I've always kind of celebrated that, that I appreciate having a building where there's things going on and people are being served and, and those things are still going on. We're, we're still doing the, the, the food shelf and, and, and in every way that, that we're allowed to serve others within the parameters of the, the, the laws they now are, uh, that, that continues to go on. So, so thank God for that. 
Uh, but uh, this is what we, what we have, so we're going to uh, make the best of this. At any time during the, this message then, and during the worship, you can just press that uh, offering button, uh, or just get online and, and contribute that way. We'll be having a quick Q&A at the end of this, this time. Uh, and so as I'm talking here, uh, and some questions come to your mind, feel free to text those in. The number is 651-321-3030. 621-651-321-3030, all right? And you can text those in at, at any time. So, uh, as I've been intentionally looking for things to be, to give thanks for, I, I've just noticed a bunch of stuff, and I, I bet a lot of you have too. Uh, the other day, I was out walking my dog, and I'm so glad I have a dog, because half my stories now start with, I was out walking my dog. But I was out walking my dog uh, yesterday morning, actually, and uh, came upon this lady uh, who was decorating this house with some Christmas decorations. And uh, I, I said to her, and this is probably like 7.30 in the morning, okay, so it's, it's pretty early, and I, I said to her, I'm so glad that you're keeping up with traditions, you know, and, and celebrating the holidays. Uh, we're not going to let some pandemic stop us, right? And, and she kind of giggled, and she says, well, actually, this isn't my house. Uh, the children in this house came over. I live alone down the street a little bit, and they came over and they decorated my house and with the Easter decorations and stuff. Uh, and so I thought I'd sneak over here this morning and return the favor. And I just thought to myself, that is just so... It, that doesn't usually happen, right? It, it, people don't just randomly do that very often. And it seems to be the, the case that in this time of this pandemic, you're seeing more of that. These kids just decide to help this lady out to decorate her house, so she returns the favor. And, and well, there's a lot of misery around us, a lot of pain, a lot to be afraid of, a lot that's ugly, but aren't you also seeing at the same time this kind of bursting forth of goodness? It's like, it seems like disasters either, they can bring the worst out of us, and, and we have seen and we'll continue to see some of that, but they can also bring the best out of us. Um, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, here's some things I, I've just found out. Like, kids are really creative. Uh, if they're locked in a the house, they're going to find a way to entertain themselves. So, like, my, my grandkids, they, they invented this game. They've got a house full of kids up the, the, the block and a half up the road. And so, they run up to their house, and they write on chalk a riddle. And then, they would come back to their house, and they write the answer to it. And so, then, the, the, that house has to go out and try to answer the riddle. And then, if they can't, they run down and get the answer down at their house. And then, they have to leave a riddle, and then my grandkids have to run over to their house, and it's about a block and a half, so they're getting good exercise, and, and my daughter says that for three hours, they're playing this game, back and forth, telling each other riddles, and having all this fun in the world that they probably would have never thought of doing if they were able to have direct contact with, with, with each other. And given that they're seven or eight, the, the, the humor and the riddles are mainly potty kind of humors, uh, which I tend to enjoy a lot. Uh, so my, my, my grandson, I got to share one, okay? Uh, this is for Buster, and they're watching now. I think, I think my ratings went up with my grandkids because I'm actually on TV. It's like, oh, you must be worth something. So uh, this is from Buster. Uh, yeah, and I think all the kids came up with this. But, um, so he, why can't Americans ever go to the bathroom? You uh, see, you can go into the bathroom as an American, and you can come out of the bathroom as an American. But while you're in the bathroom, European. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I had to share that. But so they're having all this fun, interacting like this. Uh, there's, there's the, uh, some neighborhoods are adopting these kind of uh, uh, I spy games or, or, or scavenger hunt games where they'll, they'll agree on, on an item. Like this last week, it was a flower. And, and, and so you, as, as you walk around the block, you have to look for like, where are the hidden flowers on their house, in the windows or whatever. And some people just go overboard and put flowers everywhere. Uh, this week, they're doing butterflies. And so the kids grow on, it's kind of an I spy sort of a thing. Uh, there, 
I, I've heard of these kids who have taken uh, the, the, their local or the neighborhood bookshelf that they have out in the front yard and turned it into kind of a pantry. Where they put canned goods in there and stuff, and they just say, you know, take as you need and, and, and give as you're able. Uh, it's just like there's this human kindness that's sort of exploding. Seems like there's even a, I don't know, it, it feels like a sense of solidarity that we're in this together, and maybe that's part of it. You're off for a walk, and people don't usually go all the way to wave to people on the far other side of the street, but we do it now, at least sometimes, and it's a sense of, I think, that we're sort of in this together. And I see all of that, and that's just stuff I want to give thanks for. It, it's, uh, it's an inbreaking of goodness in a, in a time where that, that is, is full of darkness. So... I want to read two scriptures here. I think this, what we're seeing here is, is, is uh, this conflict between there's a lot of ugliness, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of fear. At the same time, there's, there's goodness in this world that we want to give thanks for. And, and, and it seems that the worse things get, the more that goodness can come out. Another ugliness comes out too. But this says something, I think, profound about, about us and about the world. It says something profoundly biblical. So I want to read two passages of Scripture here. And I'm going to give you time to actually go get your Bibles if you uh, don't have them with you. This time of change that we're in, it's a good time to, I, you know, it's a pattern interrupt. And pattern interrupts are good to just re-explore old questions, re-examine things. Like, um, what's our relationship to technology? And as I've been doing that, one of the things I'm wondering about, I don't know for sure, but I'm wondering... What has perhaps been lost by turning the Bible into a phone app? Uh, and if that's our primary way of reading the Bible, does something get lost in the process there? Now, I, I, I'm not going to be dogmatic about this or anything, especially because for most of church history, Christians didn't have a Bible. They didn't have access to it. They just had to you know, listen to what the preacher said. So it's not a doctrine, but there's something about the physicality of the Bible. I don't know. I find it easier to bond with it, and I think we're supposed to bond with it, and people don't usually bond with an app. Uh, this is the Word of God, the inspired Word of God, and, and we're supposed to be digesting it. So I am just for, right now, I want to just go back to the physical Bible. I hope you have your Bibles by now. And I will read two passages. The first one's from the book of Romans. Uh, Romans is in the New Testament. Uh, it is, right, you have the Gospels, four Gospels, and then comes the book of Acts. Uh, and then comes Romans. And so I always think of like, uh, Romans, uh, Acts, the book of Acts ends with Romans, and, at Rome, so yeah, Romans is the next book. If that works for you, I don't know. So this is Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. Powerful passage. Verse 18 through 23, Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. An incredible passage. It's absolutely outlandish. The sufferings of this present age, just think about the sufferings of this present age. They can't be compared to the glory that God has in store for those uh, who, who love him. For the creation, Paul says, the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. I should probably tell you that I'm using the NRS ver version, and I'm using this particular worn-down version because my study Bible is just too big and it's kind of falling apart, so I'm using this rinky-dink version. But it's the Word of God, whether it's a classy version or not, so there you go. For the creation, the whole creation waits with eager longing for the, for the uh, revealing of the children of, uh, of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. That glory that is, it can't be compared to the sufferings of this present world. And then Paul says this, listen. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. 
And not only the creation, but we ourselves, since we're part of the creation. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly while we wait for, the, uh, the, for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Uh, so here, here, just note that Paul is saying this whole creation, the entire creation is groaning uh, like, a, like a woman having labor pains. Kids, if you don't know what that is, you can ask your mom later, okay? Uh, it, it's, it's extreme pain. So just imagine what it's like to be in extreme pain when you're groaning. What comes to my mind right now is the three hours I spent getting this tattoo on my back. Oh, that was excruciating. But I thought while I was in the process of doing that, that I am here, like, in solidarity with the creation, I'm groaning for redemption to get this tattoo done and finished with. The whole creation is going, ah! It's kind of intense pain. So there's something painful, something wrong, something off with this creation as it presently is. But there's also, in the process of that pain, something that's about to be born or that's being born. And that leads to the second passage I'd like to read, and that's Colossians. Uh, chapter 1, and this comes after Philippians, which comes after Galatians. You can feel your way. See, that's another thing, is when you have an app, you don't have to remember. It's like when you have Waze or any kind of GPS on your, on, your, on, your, on your phone. You no longer have to remember how to get places. Our brains are turning to mush. So also, if you have an app, you don't have to remember which books of the Bible come after which. But it's good to remember that kind of stuff. I'm just an old fogey, I guess. I don't know. Chapter 1, Colossians. Listen to this, Paul says, for, starting with verse 19, For in him, in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, through Christ, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. I'll remind you that, I mean, in both these passages, there's a ton of things that you could ask questions about, and Paul will be very happy to answer all those questions as soon as I'm done. So be, be texting in those questions, all right? Here, Paul tells us a second thing that's going on with creation. The whole creation. The whole creation's suffering. The whole creation, something's off. It's, 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 something's wrong. It's in pain. It's groaning. But also the whole creation. Now, God is at work in the whole creation. To, to pay, to, by means of the cross, the love that was expressed on the cross. That's what the phrase, the blood of the cross means. The sacrifice of the cross. The sacrificial love that's expressed on the cross. By means of that, God is reconciling to himself all things. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. So, so there's a spirit at work throughout this world. And see, what we're, we're, we're called to, to do is simply to align ourselves completely with what God is doing by means of the cross throughout the whole creation. And in doing that, to be working against all that is corrupt and all that's jaded. Uh, here's the thing. Whenever a disaster happens, there's going to be Christians who will say, oh, this is the judgment of God. And, and a lot of Christians have been saying that, or at least wondering about that. One of the main questions we got was, was this. Is this a judgment of God? And, and, and one of the reasons why Christians so often, in fact, other people assume that, one of the reasons is because we tend to think that while human beings are maybe screwed up, the creation is pretty much the way God created it to be. Right? So we human beings, maybe because of the fall or, or whatever, we're, we're jaded. We all, it's obvious. But, but the creation is okay. And so for most Christians, the fall is simply sinful, sinful Christians operating on a perfectly good stage. The stage is fine. We're just, the players are just messed up. And see, then when, when the stage, when nature, when creation itself acts in cruel and vicious ways, for example, evolving a virus that can kill thousands and thousands of people. Uh, when that happens, since creation we think is supposed to be like the way God created it to be, well then, it must be that God intervened and now he's using the creation as a weapon to zap us. 
And it, it goes back to the beginning of human history. We've always interpreted disasters as God. The God or the gods are zapping us. The gods are ticked off. Why was there the earthquake? Why was there the flood? Why was the famine? Why the disease? Why the pandemic? Well, the, God are, the gods are ticked off. And then people have to guess, why are they ticked off? And it just usually happens that the reason they're ticked off is because what my enemies are doing, it's always my enemy's fault. He's mad at them. And you find this good going throughout history. Now, here's the thing. Judgment is a real thing. God, that, that's not a, a social construct. God, the, the cross is all about God's judgment, the consequences of sin, which are always destructive. But see, what we learn from the cross, and you see this confirmed throughout Scripture, is that the way God judges, it's not by zapping people. The way God judges, it's, it's when God sees that his mercy is enabling people to get further entrenched in their sin, and God has no choice but to let them go. And that's all God does in bringing judgment. On the cross, oh, the only thing the Father did to have Jesus stand in our place as a sinner was he just turned him over to uh, wicked humans operating under the influence of wicked powers, allowing them to do what they already wanted to do. Uh, that's the judgment of God. You see it in Romans 1, when, when it says, Paul three times says, God turned them over to a reprobate mind. God said, if that's the way you want to be, then I'll let you go down that road. But God's heart is breaking when God does that. It's not that all this, this angry, like, uh, like even, a vengeance kind of thing. There's a grieving heart there. All alternatives have been, have been explored and they're no longer possible. This is what God has to do. God turns people over. That's, that's true. But see, it's it, it, the human part, that, the, the, the human framework part that we project on the God is that God is like one of the pagan deities riding down on a cloud to zap us. That he's the one inflicting violence on us. The Father didn't inflict any violence on Jesus. That was all done by people operating under the powers. Uh, so also God doesn't have to act violently to bring about a judgment. He just lets things run their course with a grieving heart. But God was willing to step into that framework. And, and if that's the way God, God's people see him, then God will acquiesce to that because God's not going to coerce them into having accurate thoughts about him. And, 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 and so God always meets people where they're at to inch them forward to where he knows they can be where he wants them to be. But that means embracing them where they're at. So yes, God plays this role in the Old Testament. But when we get to the revelation of God in Jesus Christ, we learn something very different. Far from being the God that comes down and, and, and zaps people with diseases as a way of getting even with them, here we learn that God comes down all right, and he zaps people all right, but he zaps them not with the diseases, he zaps them with the cure. Because God's on the side of life, not the side of death. God's not the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's the enemy. And so Jesus comes to give abundant life. And that life manifests as feeding people when they're hungry and giving them health when they're, 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 they're not healthy and curing them of deformities and every other way that he manifests the wholeness, the shalom of God in the face of what's corrupt and what's, what, what's, what's jaded. And in the, the New Testament, they always diagnose this sickness and disease and deformities that Jesus confronts they always diagnose it as being something that's not of God. It's of the enemy. So in Acts 10.38, uh, Peter is preaching to Cornelius and he says, Jesus went about doing good, healing people of their diseases, thereby freeing them from Satan's power. To heal people of their diseases was to free them from Satan's power. And throughout the Gospels, uh, when Jesus is coming against the sicknesses and diseases and infirmities, they diagnose it as being something that is directly or indirectly the result of a demonic inter interference. Sometimes directly. 
as when Jesus casts out a demon of muteness or a demon of deafness. It doesn't mean that we should think that there's a demon behind every headache or, or every particular instance of evil, but it does mean, I think, that nature as it now is, nature that produces sicknesses and diseases and deformities and viruses and, and all the rest, that this is not nature as, as God originally created it. Oh, you still see the handiwork of God in it. You still, still see the glory of God in it. But, but you also see a lot of that's not of God. A lot of corruption. A lot of stuff that you have to say, this an enemy has done. Um, and, and, and so from, the, from, the, from a New Testament perspective, and this really is the perspective of the Old Testament as well, it's not the case that only humans are affected and, and, and the, the stage, the creation, the nature is fine. Rather, the effects of the fall go into the very fabric of creation. Everything is, 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 is estranged to some degree from God because everything is in need of reconciliation. Now, to understand how that's possible, and we don't have time to go into this here, but, but yes, how could a human fall affect the whole cosmos? And the answer is it, it probably couldn't. But see, from a biblical perspective, the human fall or the human rebellion, it's, it's captured in Genesis 3, uh, that is really a, a footnote to a broader rebellion, a much broader re rebellion, and that's the rebellion of the powers, the principalities and powers, headed up by Satan. And we're not told very much about this in the Bible, we're given little hints, but we're given enough to know that the way Satan and the evil powers are, are it's not the way God created them to be, because the good God doesn't create evil beings. God creates beings with free will, and they can make themselves evil, and that's what's happened both at a cosmic level and at a human level. Uh, and so the, the creation's gone awry. But, but the whole cosmos now is affected by this. In the early church, they, they, they saw it like this. Uh, that in the same way that God entrusted us, uh, human beings, with the earth and the animal kingdom, right? He gave us this authority. And our job then is to carry out his will on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, in alignment with him, we then are the, be the, the viceroys or the landlords, the stewards of, of the earth and the animal kingdom. And when we're aligned with God, we do that very well. And when we're not aligned with God, we don't do it well at all. And that's why when, you, when the, those entrusted with the authority over something go bad or incompetent, everything under them suffers. An old African proverb says that when the elephants fight, the grass suffers. Uh, when, when, when those who are entrusted with authority, when they go bad, the, the, the ramifications, the ripple effects are worse than when average people go bad, all right? Uh, and so when, when, when we fall, everything under us becomes corrupted. We're not carrying out our job well. So also, the early church, Athenagoras, Tatian, and other early church fathers, they said that uh, God originally entrusted the angelic beings with this authority over aspects of creation, or aspects of, of human society. And when they fell... Well, everything under them gets corrupted to some degree. And so we live here in the crossfires of this warfare. Uh, it, it's, this is, the earth is sort of like the Normandy beach of this cosmic battle that's going on. And um, that's why we, we look at this world and we see that there's wonderful, wonderful good and beauty and the glory of God shines through and God's love shines through and acts of people and all of that. Yes, yes, yes. But also there's this stuff that's not at all consistent with the character of God that's revealed in, in Jesus Christ. We are in this war zone. Now, out of that, there's a few little conclusions I'd like us to draw. Um, and again, if you have questions, make sure that you're texting those in, because we'll try to get to as many as we can when I'm done. Uh, but here's the thing. Number one, God's not to blame. God's not coming down here and zapping people with this, this bug. This is a part of this whole world being under this diabolical oppression. That's being part of this corrupted creation. Uh, this an enemy has done. And so, so it's important for us to help people see that, especially in light of the fact that everybody, every day, is referring to this as an act of God, and it's driving me crazy. 
I want to have a personal conference with Governor Cuomo, who I think is just wonderful, but we stop referring to this as, as you know, act of God, God willing, and God forbid. <laughs> it's like God's pulling the strings. And I don't blame you for doing that because that's what everyone talks like. Insurance policies, unless an act of God. No, we, we, this an enemy has done. Again, it's not that there's a, a, a demon behind every particular virus or anything like that, but this world in which we're in is corrupted. The second thing is this. Uh, yes, God's not to blame, but God will win in the end. Praise God. Uh, this is where Paul's promise is that outlandish, crazy promise of his, uh, craziest thing maybe ever written by a human being, that the sufferings of this present age are incomparably small compared to the glory that, that, that awaits those that, that, uh, that, uh, that's to be revealed in the children of God. And God wants that to be, be including everybody. But to say it's incomparable is just incredible. He wins in the end. And it's so important that as we're going through the tough times that we see that. There's a lot of people doing hopelessness right now. And it could be a long time before we get out of this mess, a long time before the economy recovers, and who knows what's going to go on. But folks, uh, we always got to remember that God's on his throne. And God doesn't control all these details, but, 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 but he's in charge of the whole thing. He knows where this thing's going. Uh, he's an infinitely wise God. He's never caught off guard. Uh, he's, he's got it covered. So have that hope there. There's still battles to fight, and they're important, but the outcome of this thing is certain, which then leads to the third point, and that is this. Uh, as I said, yeah, there's corruption everywhere throughout the creation, but there's also God's Spirit working. That, that, that love that was revealed on the cross is now at work throughout the whole cosmos to reconcile everything to God, to bring God's shalom, harmony, perfect peace to everything and everyone. That raises some theological questions we can talk about. But right now, just take that at faith. Whatever else that means, that's what Paul says. And our job then is to align ourselves with what God's doing to reconcile this creation. God's reconciling work goes outside the church. God's doing that everywhere. Paul says that God's always at work in every human heart, in every nation, in every season to get people to search for him and grow up for him and possibly find him. So God is always at work in every human heart. Uh, the church doesn't have a control on, on, on the spirit of God. That's why whenever you see Jesus-like things popping up in human societies and various individuals and movements or whatever, it's okay to say that to that degree, you know, that's reflecting the character of Christ. God's at work there. Because human beings, we're dead in our sin. We wouldn't be coming up with this good stuff on our own. When we see Christ-like stuff anywhere in this world, we say, oh, God's at work there. The, the, what sets the church apart is that we know what's going on. We've accepted it. We've invited it into our life. We're being redeemed by it so that, that, that reconciling work is working in us. And the more it works in us, the more it can work through us to impact others. And so we just are aligning ourselves with this. Um, that, that, that's the force, that's the spirit that will win in the end. In principle, it's already overcome, in fact. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, if one died for all, therefore all have died. It's like a done thing. Now it's just a matter of manifesting what is already true. But here's where the, here's where the church is at. We, we, know, we know why there is this force of love. A lot of folks, they have good hearts and they yield to it and they're doing great things. They just don't have a worldview that makes sense out of that. And we'll talk about that, I think, later on in this pandemic series that we're in. But, but the church knows and can identify. This is the, we know who God is. We know what the Spirit looks like. It always has a Calvary flavor to it. And we are called to participate with God in the reconciling of this cosmos. And it will look a million different ways in a million different circumstances, but it always reflects the heart of Jesus Christ. So here's the thing. We're in this war zone. And every choice we make, every deed we do, every word we say, everything, every prayer we pray that is aligned with the truth 
pushes back the darkness. It's part of our spiritual warfare. But we have a unique call and a unique role and a unique authority as children of God, and that is that um, we are able, by talking to God and, and just by proclamation, to exercise and release a unique kind of kingdom power into this world. Um, when we pray and when we declare truth, it is an act of war. We're pushing back the darkness. And so I would like us to, we're, we're going to segue into a time of worship here. And I want to use it as a time of warfare. Um, and, but also as a time to kind of teach a little bit on, on that inner sanctum, the role of the imagination in this, all right? Uh, he, so here's, a, here's the thing. I want us to first imagine this, and I'll call up the worship team here in a second. But imagine right now, the Bible says that we are in Christ. The Bible says that we are, we are one in Christ, that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. Can we envision this reality? However, the Spirit gives this to you. Imagine that we all here, hundreds of people around the globe, we are actually in the same spiritual spot. We're not, we're physically distant from one another, but we're not spiritually distant from one another. There is a real unity in the spirit that needs to be acknowledged. And I want us to imagine that, see that right now. In fact, we are in the inner court, and we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, there are angelic beings around us. And, and, and we get to proclaim truth and sing truth and pray truth. Paul says in, in Ephesians 3 that one of the jobs of the church is to make known to the powers the mystery of God that had been kept hidden for ages, Ephesians 3.10. And so we, we proclaim the wisdom of God by which he and the power of Christ outwitted the enemy and brought an end to the, the, the reign of Satan and is now liberating the entire cosmos. We proclaim that truth and in proclaiming that we're pushing back the darkness. So this song here, I, I want to read through it and then we're going to uh, 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 sing it together as an act of war. It's called Free and now I'd like to ask the worship team to come up here. Um, now, listen to this, and, and, and I'll just sort of uh, illustrate maybe kind of what, the kind of images that come to me as I'm reading this, but let the Holy Spirit apply this to you. Uh, how do you see this? How do you experience this? Ask the Spirit to make this real to you. And as we uh, embody this, it is an act of war. So it starts off by saying, There's a world at war, caught in suffering, silent casualties. Oh God, grant us peace. I don't know the circumstances in which this song was written, but, but, but there is a world at war, and we're, we're in it. Uh, we know that it's not a battle of flesh and blood. It's a, it's a battle of, against the principalities and powers and authorities and rulers, the corrupting forces in this creation. And the casualties all around, many of which, most of which perhaps we don't even know about. They're silent. So in the midst of this storm, we cry out for peace. Oh God, give us peace. God is not stingy with his peace. James tells us that. He's, no, he wants to pour it out on us. And so as we're going to ask for peace, can you imagine what do you look like when you receive completely the shalom of God in the midst of this storm? Can you see yourself absorbing it? Breathe in God's shalom. It is yours. It's part of your inheritance. Don't wait till you die to cash in your inheritance. It's yours now. Breathe in that peace. What do you look like? Can you see that? be a beacon of peace to those around you. And then it says, in these sleepless nights, I can hardly breathe. Some folks I think are struggling with such anxiety, they, they can't sleep at night and they have a hard, having trouble breathing. But then the, the, the song says, despite the brutality, I know that we'll be free. Despite the brutality, 
the brutality of what this corrupted nature is afflicting on us. The brutality of all that's wrong around us. You know, the Bible, when it talks about the afflictions that humans go through, it sometimes uses this word mystics. It's a Greek word that means flogging, to whip somebody. And the, what they're conveying is that everybody, when we're being afflicted, to, to, directly or indirectly, we're being flogged, whipped by the enemy. This is, he's got humanity under his oppression. But despite that brutality, whatever you're going through, and sometimes it can be absolutely, absolutely brutal, can you make this proclamation? I know that we will be free. I know that we will be free. So affirm it. However much it maybe doesn't feel like that in the moment, affirm that truth. Let God be true and everyone a liar because someday everyone will be free. God's at work to reconcile the entire creation. And so the song says, knowing that, then, then our job is to push in that direction. Let the light in. Keep it shining. However you represent that light, just can you see it breaking in the darkness? Breaking the darkness in your own heart. Breaking the darkness of this world. Let the light shine in. Keep it shining. Let it break into the darkness. All the love dares us to see will all be free. Listen to that. All the love dares us to see will all be free. If the sufferings of this present age can't be compared to the glory that God has in store for those who love him, then what can you imagine? I mean, you can't, I can't imagine that beauty. I can't even begin to imagine that beauty. I can't hardly even imagine a beauty that would break even with the sufferings of this present world. So it's unimaginably glorious. But can you dare to believe that? Can you dare to believe God is as beautiful as God reveals himself to be? Can you dare to believe that God will win, that good will overcome evil? We're supposed to dare to believe that and then dare to envision that and then live that out to push back the darkness. And so in that light we say, in these desperate times, love will hold us here. Love will join our hands. Can we imagine that? Here we are sitting with Christ in heavenly places. Distance is no obstacle any longer. We are one. And there's a power in that unity, which is why we've got to affirm that and imagine that. And we together, as we proclaim this, it has a power to release kingdom influence in this world. And so we, we, love will join us here. Love will join our hands. Can we envision each, uh, holding each other's hands in the spiritual realm? We're one in the spirit. And so we ask, teach us to have no fear. Lord, teach us to just perfect love casts out fear. So we lay our hate down to wash their feet. Those who think they're our enemy, we lay that down. And we can lay it down because we have no fear. The only reason people get violence is because they're afraid. So if we lose that fear, perfect love casts out fear, we lay down our grievances, we welcome the enemy as our brother, and we declare in Jesus' name, we'll all be free. Yes, we'll all be free. Let the light keep shining in. Let it break into the darkness. All the love dares us to see, we'll all be free. Can we now do that, all right? Uh, and and uh, uh, this is weird because you're, you're worshiping and there's a table, I mean, there's a TV here and you usually don't do that, but let's push through that, all right? And just enter into the reality of the spiritual realm in our imagination. And let's just declare this truth. Um, know that as we're doing this, we're pushing back the darkness in our own life and in the world around us. People, how, how do you serve? What can you do? Well, this is a unique way that we, you and me, can serve what we can do on our knees. Praise God. We shall be free. Let's proclaim it.
know that we'll be free Let the light in, keep it shine Let it break into the darkness All the love dares us to see We'll all be free In these desperate times Love will hold us here Love will join our hands Teach us to have no fear So we lay our feet down To wash their feet When we see our brother God. So I can feel 
surround us that trees of hope bring shade to all mankind sister take my hand brother we will stand open up your heart and mind love is turning over tables breaking our chains when i see you in the stranger i'm no longer a slave turning over tables tearing down walls building up the bridges between the all. gotta imagine, Ruth. People are singing along with that and run the aisles and just, I mean, if this was a normal Sunday, man, we'd be turning over tables. We'd be turning over chairs. We'd be running the aisles, jumping on the loops. We'd be Pentecostal style. <laughs> All right, virtual high five. All right. I'd like to invite my esteemed colleague. Come up here and also Paul Eddie. Would you get to join us? <laughs> Come on, Paul. Uh, am I going to, I think I need a chair to sit down on. Wait, no, I'll use this one. No, 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 no. You took your chair. Oh, yes. We, okay, there we go. There. Thank you, thank you. Six feet, Paul. We have to right here, right here. Six right here. feet, give or take. Five feet? No. All right. How you doing, Paul? Good. Surviving this uh, pandemic. All right? Yeah. 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 All right. Doing fine. Getting a lot of research done. Hi, how are you doing? I'm For doing introverts well. like how Paul and I, there are some upsides to this. <laughs> Gosh, we we'll have all this time just locked in our houses with all these books. What are you going to do? Theology, so. Greg. All right. Did we get some uh, good questions in? We did. Thank you all for sending in we your questions. We always have people asking great questions. Um, we're going to start off with one that uh, relates 
really directly to the song we just sang and um, some of the things that you said in your sermon, Greg, about aligning ourselves with the things of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, uh, during this time, we've seen that uh, many Asian Americans are experiencing mm. types of discrimination, mm. horrible things being said to them, things being done to them. And so as believers, how can we combat that and reach out and love and just show that that is not an acceptable response to what's yeah. happening today. Good point. Yeah, I mean, with that question, the verse just immediately came to my mind uh, that in Christ, Galatians 3.28, right? In Christ, mm-hmm. there is no... And Paul took the three main categories that divided people right. in the ancient world and it still divide them today. Uh, race and ethnicity. He said no Jew or Greek. Uh, socioeconomic class, no slave or free. And the, the, the gender divide that's always been a, a point of, of tension and otherness, uh, no male and female. And Paul takes all this. And, and Jesus Christ, when you see what Jesus has done to unite all human beings, yeah. um, those differences, they become beautiful differences, but nothing that should be divisive or that should be an us versus them or any of that, that right, agape right. love, uh, turns those divisions into beautiful variety, but not, right, right, not tensions. Right. It's the whole thing that we've been talking about the last several months, actually, about how you know, the, the world, there's a xenophobic streak. It's part of the fall. It just runs deep. Um, and the kingdom goes in the opposite direction. Instead of fearing the other, xeno means other, that which is different than you, strange, instead of fearing that, we're to have a love for the filio, mm-hmm. xenophilia, a love for the other, embracing them. But, you know, I said earlier that the disasters like this bring out the best and the worst. Yeah. Uh, the worst is always some form of xenophobia. Um, because there's, is, there's a part of humans where we want to blame somebody and we don't want right. it to be us. Someone's got to pay and so we scapegoat. Right. And, and generally what happens is the majority will find some minority population that's different from them. They could be left-handed, for example, or whatever. And, and they scapegoat them. You're, you're the problem here. The Jews have been the classic scapegoat throughout history. And, and that kind of relieves some tension among us. At least we have to know who to blame. Yeah. And so it's, on, a, on a sick level, it's not surprising that this comes out. But it is sick. Mm-hmm. We just had a case in Woodbury. Uh, yeah. Someone left a note on, on some folks. And mm-hmm. it's just so stupid. I mean, it's just, like, there's anything Chinese about this. You know, it's, it's, the same thing happened, though, with uh, the Spanish flu. It originated in Kansas, but it got called the Spanish flu. It's like, we always want to volley it over to their country. And so, <laughs> look, at these, these, these things happen. And there's no point in pinning blame on anybody. It's just, it's just, but that's, so we have to go overboard in the opposite direction. Um, I, this week, to, had takeouts in a couple of Asian restaurants. Just because I want to support that business. And I want to thank him when I go there. I thank him for being here. And so go overboard in the other direction, I think, uh, is the best thing to do. Amen. I love that. Amen. Amen. Um, what does the, inter- the eternal perspective fit to all of this? Where does that fit? So much seems to be focused on getting through now and what mm. we can do to stay safe now. But where does that fit into eternity? Hmm. Greg? Well... I have no idea. Um, <laughs> other than to say, I know it does. Uh, he, so, so, you know, Paul says in Ephesians uh, 1 that, that uh, God is bringing all things together, weaving all things together into one head. He uses this word anakafaleo, uh, summed up into one head. So everything, and when Paul says everything, he means everything in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and he means everything past, present, and future. Everything is being summed up, and it's being reconciled into Christ. Somehow it's God's bringing good out of evil. God's redeeming all things. He, and so he's taking 
if you will, the manure of, of world history and all the crap that we've done and the mess we've made of things, and he's somehow, in his wisdom, turning it into something beautiful that in the end will reflect the triune love and forgiveness uh, throughout all the, the whole cosmos, and our job is to participate with the God in doing that. How this particular pandemic or any pandemic fits into that or how any particular tragedy fits into that, I don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. uh, any more than I have a clue what it will look like when the final state is such that we can't even compare it to the sufferings of this present age. It goes beyond. So I always just encourage people, put it on full blast, beautiful, and keep heading in that direction. Mm -hmm. And just know that, that the best you're going to do is be going in the right direction. You're never going to get there. Yeah. yeah. I think, I'm not sure exactly how, what this questioner uh, meant by how does it relate to the eternal, but another way of coming at this, I think, is... Um, it seems you were talking about the fact that, that moments like this of, of kind of cultural crisis bring us together, right? Right, right. They're like we're all sort of in this together. I think one of the things this particular crisis is doing is it's pulling back the facade that one, we have control. Right. Two, that we've sort of marginalized the concept, let's be honest, we, we've sort of sanitized, at least in the Western modern world, this idea of death. Yeah. Like, that's something that, that totally, totally t uh, touches us once in a while in mainly in funeral homes. Right. But I think what it's done is, is it's shown us it, our mortality, right? right. And uh, there's a downside to, obviously, the, the pain and suffering and death that we're there's seeing. There's a downside to death, yeah. <laughs> but God turns all things for his kingdom. And I think if nothing else, this is reminding right. us. We will all die. Like, there's a, we don't get out of this alive, right? We weren't meant to. There's a, a probationary You're period. You're kind of a party kill today, aren't well, you? Yes. So, yeah. It's called being You're a realist. Fun. Um, but the beautiful thing about that is that, that our lives here don't define us. Right. That eternity defines us. And this gives us an opportunity, I think, to wake up to that fact that, uh, hey, um, what is the purpose of life? Right. And uh, it, it's a good it, reminder. In times like this, when treasures are being taken from people, it, it's, yeah. it's, for many times it's often when you find out where your treasure is. Exactly. And so if you're freaking out completely to the core of your being, it's, it could be an element of, of too much of your treasure was here. Right. And not that, the, the, that we're supposed to be so heavenly minded that we're not earthly good. You know? right. Right. But, there's a balance. But there. there is, yeah, but there's an eternal perspective that should put everything kind of in perspective. Yes. Uh, and uh, make it more manageable. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Paul, for reminding us that we're all going to die. It was really <laughs> No one's comforting. getting out of your life. <laughs> Someone had to say it. Someone we're all going to die. Okay, so Greg, you were very, very clear that this virus, this pandemic, is not God's fault. It is not his doing. And yet, we still have people asking, did God create this virus? And although you yeah. say this isn't his wrath and judgment, what do you do with the passages that say that God does mm. spew forth his sure. wrath and judgment? judgment. So th there is one sense in which I would agree that, that, that all pandemics, all sicknesses, all of that is, is in a sense a, a judgment in that it's a consequence for our rebellion. Uh, it, we have brought this on ourselves. And so in that sense, in an organic sense of cause and effect, yeah, this is a, a judgment that we brought on ourselves. But it's not a judgment in the sense that God's inflicting it. Uh, and most God has to allow this because of the free will that he's given us and the powers and stuff, and he'll bring good out of it, but he's not the one zapping us with that. Uh, now, you can find passages in the Old Testament where God is the zapper God. And when God is the zapper God in the Old Testament, 
What's interesting is that it looks very much like the Zapper gods and all the other cultures around Israel, mm -hmm. down to the point where they ride on the clouds and they throw thunderbolts and there's smoke coming out of their nose and fire coming out of their mouth. And all that imagery is shared by the other cultures. And since God's not going to lobotomize people to have true thoughts, he, he'll, he'll love them and accept them where they're at. So he has to work within their framework of him being a Zapper god. Uh, but always pushing in the direction to reveal more clearly what, what really is going on when he's bringing judgment. And what's really going on, we see with Jesus, Jesus is, is God's just withdrawing with a grieving heart mm. and letting, letting it run its course. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, there's, there's passages in the New Testament, Jesus' own teachings, that, that make that clear, right? Oh, absolutely, I think yes. the time of, of John, um, was it 9? 9, 9, 9, 1 through 9, 3. 9, 5, when uh, uh, his <laughs> disciples... 1 through 3, 1 through 5. Well, we're not going to quibble over two verses. <laughs> okay, <right. laughs> um, it's all interconnected. It is. It's all, it's all one meta Somewhere in the Bible. But anyway, in John... Um, this, this blind person is there and, and Jesus' disciples are trying to discern. Yeah. So Jesus, which is it? Uh, did he sin or did his parents sin? Those are options. So right, once again, well, he's being judged and God's doing it. Well, what's the problem? Yeah. And Jesus completely dismisses that as really the wrong question. Right. I love how you, you actually touched on this in God at War. We said the actual translation, which yeah. often our verses mistranslate, is um, the actual translation is, Jesus dismisses the question, just says, let God be glorified. Yeah, so in, in most translations they'll have, uh, Jesus says, neither, neither this guy sinned nor his parents, but this happened so that yeah. the works of God might be glorified. And, and so people have this idea that he was born blind so that Jesus could come along later on and, and, and free him. But that's not an impossible translation, but, but it's important to note that the phrase, this happened so that, is not in the original. That's supplied by translators because they assume that Jesus is answering the question. Mm -hmm. And so they have to fill in this phrase. This happens so that God... May. But in the original, it simply says, neither, Jesus says, neither, let God be glorified. And, and people, translators supply that clause because they think it's too awkward if he doesn't, if he ignores their question. But in fact, Jesus always ignores people's questions. <laughs> Wrong question, here's the right question you should have yeah. been having. The only thing that matters is, is let God be glorified. And Luke 13 is the same thing yes. where, where uh, you know, a tower fell and killed some people and some people were saying, oh, look, God was judging them. Uh, Jesus says, no, I just worry about your own relationship with God. And same thing with, with, uh, with when Pilate slaughtered a bunch of Galileans. Some people were saying, oh, they must have had it coming. And it's like, no, Pilate did that, not God. Right. So Jesus says, no, don't try to read the, the, the judgment of God off of the fate of, of uh, you know, the chance fortunes of, of what people go through. He just collapses that whole thing. Yeah. And really, the book of Job should have been enough, even in the Old Testament, yeah. to tell us that, well, God will work in a covenantal framework of cause and effect uh, in the Old Testament, because that's where people were at. Gregory Nazianzen, a 4th century uh, theologian, he says that humanity, when they were in its toddler stage, had to be dealt with as toddlers. So they need immediate reward and, you know, and punishment. And so God is willing to stoop down to that level to grow us to be where, where he, 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 he wants us to be. And the trouble with, with people who still think that God's in the zapping business is that they, 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 they let the penultimate, the, the kind of where we were at as toddlers, be the permanent way mm. that we're supposed to look at God. It's like, no, we're supposed to grow up and have a more mature picture of God. Mm. Yeah, amen. We also, I think because of the fear that many are still experiencing, we do have people saying, why can't God just say, stop this? Like, mm. if he has dominion, can he just like stop this virus in its track and keep it from harming so many people? Hmm. That's a question, right? Or you want to take it, Paul, or you want me to take it? You're the senior pastor, Greg. Okay. I think you better handle this one. Yeah. So, so yeah. Why didn't you say stop? Right. Uh, and you can push that back further. Why didn't he, in the minute that Satan uh, rebelled, why didn't he say, no, nope, you can't, can't do that? Right. In fact, 
depending on your theology, why didn't he do that ahead of time if he foreknew that Satan was going to fall? This, that law in the first place. Right. So you have, you know, several options here. Augustine would say, well, the reason uh, God allowed these things is because God saw, the reason why God didn't stop Satan and doesn't stop any particular evil is because he sees that he can do, he can bring more good out of it than would have been the case if he didn't have this at all. Mm. Uh, and he uses, you know, an example like, like a, a poem that has exquisite antitheses, uh, sharp contrasting images is, is more beautiful than a poem that is bland. So also a world that has contrast is better than a world that, that, that doesn't. I don't see any support for that in scripture because ultimately that view makes it, means that there is no evil. Mm-hmm. If, if, if this is all planned by God, it's all part of the design, well then, then in fact, Augustine says this uh, in, in, in book 10 of his confessions. He goes, for you, O Lord, there is, no, book 11, there is no evil. For, it's evil to us, but for you there's no evil because it's all part of the beauty. So now you've got to look at every monstrous, grotesque, demonic thing that ever happened and believe that it somehow contributes to the beauty. Uh, and it got intended it for that reason. And I just think that that's, that, that's just not... The, the picture we get in, in the New Testament, Jesus reveals the will of God by coming against this stuff, unequivocally coming against this stuff. Never once does he hint that this is the, the Father's doing. He manifests the, the God's will by coming against this stuff. And, and so it's so important that we have the character of God down and we know what comes from the God and what comes from the enemy. Amen. This an enemy has done. Mm. Amen. 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 Um, People are wondering about some practical ways in which we can truly align ourselves with God during this time and just try to push toward that fullness that you've mm, been talking yeah. about. They just need some real practical ways in which they can do that every day in their lives. Hmm. Practical ways, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, I'll, I'll prime the pump here. Um, I think we, you know, the thing is, ultimately, just... The Holy Spirit's infinitely creative, and it's really, like, ask the Spirit, like, mm. be creative, to go beyond your natural creativity, think of alternative things. I almost don't want to list it, because that, that would, like, okay, let's we'll yeah. copy that. Yeah. But be creative. I, I mentioned a few of the creative things that kids are doing. Uh, yeah. uh, another block, they, they're, they're, people are randomly drawing uh, uh, chalk hearts out in front of people's yeah. doors and stuff, just to say, hey, you know, we love you, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's just uh, yeah, bringing the best out of uh, some people. Uh, we have a picture of Shelly. Uh, my wife is a seamstress. She's really good at sewing. Always has been. She loves to sew. And so uh, she's working with, and I know you've got to be careful with this, but she's working with Alina Medical Clinic yeah. to uh, make these uh, uh, masks. Yeah. These, these, do you have a picture of, of my, my wife, Shelly, up there? Come put a picture. I want to... Yeah, this is my lovely wife. <laughs> so she's, made, she's making 130 some of these. And she's just, so last cool. couple of days is what she's been doing. I just think it's so adorable. Oh, by the way, that thing around her waist is, is not a girdle or anything like that. It's, it's a, a back brace because she, she, she uh, cracks her vertebrae. Uh. So, but she can type, type very... And you'll never realize how much you have to pick up in a house until your spouse cracks a vertebrae and can't bend over. Because <laughs> I'm the picker-upper now. And so it's, no, but, uh, it's, so here's like, here's something I can do and just think of like ways that you can help out or whatever. I, I can, and at, at the very least, um, uh, the, the whole thing about prayer that we talked about, mm-hmm. prayer and declaration. Uh, be covering your neighborhood with prayer. Walk mm-hmm. the neighborhood and just cover people with prayer. You are serving them that way. You know, uh, Origen was asked by this pagan, Celsus, um, 
Why is it that you Christians, you know, you, you have all the benefits of being in Rome, but you don't, you, you, you don't sacrifice for us? You know, we're out there fighting the wars, keeping you safe, whatever. Why don't you guys participate in the military? And Origen said, well, we're not allowed to kill, so we can't serve in the military, but we do serve in other ways. Hmm. And, and he says, while you're out there fighting your particular enemies, we're praying against the enemy that, that makes enemies out of all people. Hmm. And so we're doing more in, in, in prayer uh, to fight evil than, than, than you're doing. And, and, and so it, this is our unique service. We serve by prayer. We serve by proclamation. Yeah. I, lo I love your answer because we just came out of a series on hearing God before this. There right? you go, yeah. And uh, I there's a passage where Jesus uh, says, and this is Jesus, uh, while he's embodied in, in fully human life, he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Right, right, right. Yeah. So Jesus' whole life was, was simply listening to his Father by the Spirit within him and just doing what he sensed. Right, right. So I think this is an amazing opportunity for us to put into practice the series we came out of is, Lord, for, for each one of us, uh, each one of us in our homes, each one of us across the globe, listening to the heart of God uh, and, and just being attuned to what God would have me do here and now. And, and, of course, when God does that, he'll balance love and wisdom like he always does. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of us who would like to rush out and do things right now, but in times of you know, quarantine, maybe the most loving thing is to keep that social well, distance, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and so there's love and wisdom that has to be mixed here. But um, uh, the prayer is absolutely essential. Uh, my wife, Kelly, we were just talking, uh, she was mentioning to me this morning, perhaps it's going to be that a lot of what's going to, come out of this time in terms of, of beauty that God does, is families are together with a lot more time on their hands together yeah. and not being separated and distracted. And right, there might right. be a beautiful time for rebirth of just family connection and relationship right now. If so, they don't kill each other first. Well, that, right? that comes first, right. <laughs> no, first do no harm. Then, then, right. then love each other. Then right? love each other. You know, it's been, I, I, I'm always taking Gracie out for a walk, as I told you, but uh, uh, it's been different because you see now parents out a lot more with uh, their kids and stuff and trying to find things yeah. to do, and they're just being creative. Like, let's try climbing trees. Okay, you're tired of the swing set. We've got to find something else to do. But creativity, I mean, necessity is the mother of invention, mm -hmm. and, and you know, kids can be very creative on that. It's important to realize that, that like, um, we don't have a corner. God's working everywhere. And so to look at what other people are doing, and, and that yeah. might be sure inspire idea. ideas, yeah. you know, that, that things that you might do. Giving blood is a very good thing. Mm. Uh, right now it's, it's so important to, to be doing that. Um, and, uh, yeah, another thing I, I think especially important, I want to say this, emphasize this, is that uh, we've got people on the front lines mm. that are really, honestly, laying down their lives. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's like in the military, they need backup support. We can't be on the lines because it requires a certain kind of expertise, but praying for them. Yeah. Uh, some of the stories are just heart-wrenching. I mean, on the news, they have this young 24-year-old uh, nurse, and she's new out of school. She just wants to be a nurse, but here she finds herself in this place where she's got to be working 18-hour days and with equipment that's, that, that's inadequate, being with people who are dying by themselves without loved ones. And she was just talking about how heart-wrenching this is. And then she has to go home, and she has a child and also an elderly mother, and so she's so afraid of bringing the germs home. Yeah. And the bravery that takes to do that. I mean, I just... In fact, we did this last week, and I think we should do it again. Just yes. give them a, a hand yeah. clap. Everybody, uh, essential personnel on the front lines like that. I mean, it is just...
everyone is scrambling, and it is like a war zone thing. So yeah. be praying for them, for their safety. And some are dying. They're yeah. catching this and dying. Amen. Well, and many in the hospitals are like, they're away from their loved ones. And so yeah. this one hospital is bringing in iPads so that people oh. can see their loved ones and maybe yeah. say oh, I know it. some it, final oh. words. It's heart-wrenching. Oh. A doctor who has to now full-time this, so he, he won't come home to his kids. And you see him on the side of the door just you know, waving. Yeah. And that's an act of love. I have mm. to... Yeah. I, for love, I have to stay away from you. But it's, I, it's, it's, it's brutal on these folks. Yeah. yeah. You need to be praying a lot for everyone. Paul, can you um, help those who, who, like, we've had many people say, you know, I trust in God fully, but I am still so gripped with fear. How can I step out of that fear and into, this, into his peace? Mm. Because they're looking and they're seeing what's going on, and it's hard. Do you have any words of wisdom for them? Mm. We're I, all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Greg. Uh, a couple of things come to mind, and Greg has so often reminded us of this. Um, one is about, back to this question of eternal perspective, right? Um, we, we have eternity, literally. And that what happens now is very important for this season we're in. We are all sharing this. We're in this together. But to keep that eternal perspective and remember that this too shall pass, right? Mm -hmm. And that, 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 um, that in the midst of... Uh, times of crisis and times of threat, that, that, that perspective of, of giving, how do you put it, that, that, uh, that distance, kind of God's eye view, mm -hmm. yeah, is what yeah. puts everything into perspective and, and can help our hearts, therefore, not be caught up in the momentary sort of right, fear right, of the right. moment, but to step back, realize God's on the throne, as you said today. God has this. Mm -hmm. This is not out of his control. And we are, we are beloved of God, that he's in this with us. Um, I think that's just absolutely the, the place to start with, with combating yeah, fear. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I, oftentimes when people are, are get like a disproportionate sort of fear, it's because a part of them is being triggered that's not their mature self. Uh, mm -hmm. It goes back to fears that they got installed along the way. And it's a, this provides an opportunity to invite Jesus in those spaces mm -hmm. to say, you know, can you give me, I mean, there's a part of you that maybe needs to be evangelized. There's a scared kid mm -hmm. that, you know, for whatever reasons, this is triggering that button and you're terrified. And you know that it's good to remind yourself of the facts that the majority of people uh, have mild symptoms uh, and the vast, vast majority don't die. Even mm -hmm. if you get the, the, the affliction and you're hospitalized, the vast majority don't die. And so just remind yourself of that because most of the time the fear it's it's your six-year-old self or 16-year-old self that's not entirely rational it's mm. just it's just sort of there so just giving an adult perspective will help but then as Paul said part of I think of a real grown-up adult perspective on this is that uh, yeah you might get it you know it, 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 there's no guarantee uh, and you might die and are you okay with that and and mm. the, I, I think ultimately we the growth in the kingdom is about getting okay with death mm. uh, you really can't, in, 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 in treacherous situations, love your enemies in a life certain situation. You can't love them un unless you've gotten over that one. Yeah. Uh, where you're, you, you hold, clinging to your life isn't that big of a deal. And I think what can do that is when we can zoom out um, and we see the whole of our life as just part of, it, it, it doesn't define our story. Our narrative doesn't end with death. Right. Our narrative goes on forever and ever and yes. ever. So live in that narrative and, and imagine that narrative, experience that. And the more real that is, the, the more you find that, that the, the, I think the things of this world just don't give you the, that terrorizing fear the way they used to. Amen. Using those. Yeah. Amen. Very important. Um, thank you all so much for sending in your questions. We're yes. going to uh, ask one more um, before we finish up today. So unfortunately, we've had some people who um, have written in that they've had 
people that they love who have succumbed to the mm. virus. Um, and it's sad, uh, but what now they're dealing with is anger. They feel anger toward the situation, um, toward just all a number of things. And so what can you guys say to them and to those who maybe are starting to experience some of that anger because people aren't doing what they're supposed to do or you know, mm. any number of things mm -hmm. um, out of their hurt and their immense grief? Mm. Go ahead. Um, wow, you know, I, I, I've thought about that. Like when, when I heard that nurse give her testimony, uh, part of what, it, what she was saying was that the, was the frustration and the heartache of seeing a person die who didn't need to die. Right. And, and, and what do you do if that's one of your loved ones? Yeah. I mean, I, I try to put myself in a situation where like, if Shelly were to get afflicted with this and have to go in the hospital, and I might not be there when she died. I, that, I, I don't even get that. Like, like, suit me up and I'll take the risk. I'll start wave off. Whatever. I, I want to be there. You know? And, and I, I just... But, yeah. And then, then to, if, if, there, if there had been one more ventilator or one more this or one more that, or if it had gotten here a day earlier or whatever... Uh, that, that, that could, I, I, as I, when I entered into that, it, I, oh, it, it could drive you crazy. But it could drive you crazy on other things too, because, like, there is always a blaming impulse. I think it's part mm -hmm. of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like, if it wasn't maybe the incompetence of leaders, or they didn't get it earlier, or whatever, and now right. it's getting, that's becoming part of a partisan divide, which is going to create a perfect storm of diabolical nastiness. Yeah. Kingdom people, stay above it. Don't yes. get sucked into it. Yes. But, but, but. But it could be if only I hadn't touched that glass that that person had touched and if only they hadn't done this I mean behind anyone getting this, this virus there's, there's at least a hundred contingencies if only which if they'd gone a little different the person might not have gotten it mm -hmm. and that's the kind of thinking that will just drive you crazy because we can't ever trace all of that you know to, to, the contingency is what it is in the end in the end you know our government is going to have to sort out where blame the system was broken clearly whose fault was it what could be different you know, how do we repair that? That needs to happen. People need to take ownership and responsibility. The world's good at that. It, it, will, it will handle that. There's nothing distinctly kingdom about that. From our perspective, however, while it's so understandable that you'd be angry, and when I enter into that, I'd be, you know, I, I don't know what. But in the end, I have to leave all vengeance to God. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the call. R yeah. Romans 12, leave all vengeance. All get even. Whatever accounts need to be settled, God will take care of it. And, and I, that's where you just have to trust. If someone needs to get bashed for being incompetent or whatever, God will take care of it. My job is, is, is to love unconditionally. And that, that's easier said than done if your loved one died because of the incompetence of somebody. But, but ultimately, that's the kingdom is, is to uh, push, push through that. Don't let that be the ultimate word. Don't let that be the narrative you live in because that that's cancer. Yeah. The, yeah. the cancer that that could give you would be as bad as dying of this virus. Yeah. And you don't want that. So to stay yeah. clear of it, you push past that and surrender it all to God. Yeah. Amen. Good word. Yeah. Paul, don't you think that, you know, just giving that anger over to the Lord and asking him to heal you of that, and um, <laughs> would that be a good way absolutely, to go? Absolutely, absolutely. And it seems to me, too, that, that, I mean, Jesus expressed anger, right? There's nothing wrong with anger. No, no. It, um, it, it, but, but, but locating absolutely. the proper target, right? And mm -hmm. kind of back to your, your message where you started this, is we're all in this together, and a lot of where our anger wants to go is to particular human enemies, right? right? right. Instead of real, realizing the enemy behind all of the brokenness of this world mm -hmm. is not flesh and blood. It's, right, it's right. the principalities and powers. Right, yep. and, and, but that sort of anger, if we can get, get anger at the right target, namely the spiritual brokenness that causes this, the way we can press into that now is through prayer and through mm -hmm. things, not by dividing over mm -hmm. each other. Right, right, right. So. Amen. To Amen. realize I, I, yeah, you're really fighting against 
You want to get even good. Uh, get even by fighting against that impulse that you have exactly. to demonize that person yeah. Yeah. and to refuse not to love them. That's, yeah. how, that's how you win in this thing. Good overcomes yeah. evil. Thank you, guys. Um, again, thank you all for sending in your questions. And we want to remind you of a couple of things. Um, first of all, just know wherever you're at with this, whether you're in fear or anger or just trying to figure out how to talk to your kids, just let God meet you where you're at and Amen. comfort you and love you perfectly as only he can. Amen. I mean, that's all, sometimes that's all you really can do and let him show you what to do mm -hmm. each step yes. of the way. Good word. Um, Practically speaking, we just want to remind you guys about hopping on the Woodland Hills app uh, to get resources, to listen to uh, the recording of the live stream. You can give on there. You can see ways in which we're trying to reach out to the community during this time. Um, it's been really cool to see this last week our children's ministry. They've yeah. gone on Facebook Live and done uh, lessons for our kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's been really cool for people to engage in that way. Our youth ministry did a live stream of worship yeah. this week. Uh, I think the worship leader was in another state because she's with family um, and and then the you know the sermon came from here it was just really cool to see that all come together for our young people and then they have their journey groups all got together virtually online so it's it's we're trying to make the best of what's happening here and we want you guys to be able to be connected as well so remember online there are going to be resources if you want to gather virtually with groups and uh, there'll be questions that you can discuss with one another there'll be a sermon summary there'll be reflections questions so that you can personally go deeper and just begin to further push into what God has for us during this time because he hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't yep. forsaken Amen. us. He is Amen. right here with us. And so to close this out, Paul, I would love if you would uh, lead us all in prayer. Absolutely. Father God, uh, thank you for this opportunity for this slice of your body, Lord, yes, for Lord. those who see themselves as aligned with Woodland Hills and, and the way that uh, across literally the globe right now together, we are able to turn to you to hear and rehear the words that Greg shared with us, Lord, that yeah. you are a good God all the time yes. and all the time you are good and that what happens in moments like this is not a reflection of your character. It's a reflection of the brokenness of this world and the consequences of separation from you. Mm -hmm. So all the more, Lord, we pray that this time would turn us back to you. Yes. Lord, I pray for every one of my brothers and sisters um, watching here today with us. Lord, that you would meet them where they're at. Lord, that you would comfort uh, hearts who are concerned. Lord, that you would minister, Lord, to any uh, people who for them or their loved ones or people they know are touched by this virus, Lord. We just pray healing and health and blessing, yes, Lord, Lord, towards yes, Lord. every person Jesus touched name. by this virus. Yes. And Lord, we pray that in the midst of this war zone, Lord, and we see this war sometimes more clearly than other times, and this is one of those times, Lord, we see the brokenness and the warness yes, of this. Lord, we pray that your grace would shine yes. all the more, that your light would be shine. all the more clear because of the darkness, Lord God, mm -hmm. and that we would be agents of Salt and light in your world, Lord. Blessing others, praying for others, Hallelujah. touching and ministering to others where possible, yes. Lord. Mm -hmm. Show us, Lord, um, through the, your Holy Spirit within each of us, Lord. Give us creative ways that we can hear your voice of how to do love in this season. Amen. In Jesus' name, Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you guys.